welcome welcome back everyone to uh love's labor's watched your favorite pop culture podcast um yeah how's it going everyone how are you francesca yeah i'm okay how are you yeah doing good i think we're on um day 50 something of lockdown yeah the the point where it's not worth you know actually listing the time anymore Yes. So uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, We have a great episode for you this week. We were lucky enough um, last week to be able to link up with the author Curtis Sittenfeld, who is the um, author of a new book called Rodham, which is coming out um, in uh, audio and ebook today actually fun for you guys. Um, So Rodham is basically a book which asks the question, what would have happened if Hillary Rodham Clinton, um, you know, previously Secretary of State of the United States, married to um, President Bill Clinton, has run for president herself in her time, um, a huge political figure in the US, what would have happened in her career and to the US more generally and to kind of women in the world of politics had she not married Bill? Um, which is a really interesting question. And um, Curtis goes into sort of why she decided to write the book and what kind of forces compelled her to kind of ask these questions um, of Hillary Clinton. Obviously not directly, but to ask them of her (laughs) life. (laughs) We we aren't even sure if Hillary's even read this book. But yeah, so essentially uh, the story of Hillary and Bill Clinton, if nobody knows, is that they met at Yale in the early um, 70s, I believe. Or was it the 60s? I think it was, no, I think it was like the mid 70s. Yeah. So the mid 70s. Yes. And uh, they met when she was in law school at Yale um, and they ended up getting married in 1975, I believe. And then Bill went on to become governor of Arkansas and then president of the United States in 1992. Um, And the book kind of follows the Hillary's journey as she um, meets Bill and has a relationship with him. Um, and then chooses not to marry him. And then her life goes on from there, kind of navigating the twists and turns of American politics, kind of as they happen, but also with the necessary changes that come in when Hillary does not become part of the Bill Clinton kind of political dynasty. Um, and yeah, and so it was really interesting to talk to her. And I think a really interesting concept as well. I think I've never read a book like this before. Um, and it was definitely um Definitely a very interesting one. So hopefully you'll enjoy the interview. And um, Francesca, can you give us an uh, an introduction to Curtis Sittenfeld herself? Yeah, so Curtis Curtis Sittenfeld is the best-selling author of five novels. Um, Her first novel, Prep, is about a sort of, it's like a gossip girl meets Catcher in the Rye story about a girl at boarding school. But she's probably best known for her novel, American Wife, which was published in 2008. And it's sort of similar to Rodham in that it's about um, the life of a first lady, but it's a fictional first lady whose life shares many biographical similarities with Laura Bush, wife of President George W. Bush. But it's sort of slightly different in, yeah, that it is that got that fictional, very firmly planted in the fictional world. Whereas, of course, Rodham uses the real names of Hillary, Bill, everybody else who they come into contact with. Um, But I read American Wife recently, absolutely loved it. Um, It's very, very readable and page turner you know completely captivating it really takes you inside the the world of of this young woman who goes from being this sort of midwesterner 
in her 30s working as a librarian to married to George W. Bush or a George W. Bush type figure anyway. Um, but Curtis is also known for her 2018 short story collection, You Think It, I'll Say It, which is a series of topical, funny, wry, um, sardonic stories about humans connecting, miscommunicating, communicating well, um, all the sort of intricacies in between that. Um, and it was published, it was picked for Reese Witherspoon's book club um, and Reese Witherspoon's production company are actually looking to adapt it into um, a TV series, which is quite interesting. Um, so yeah, she's a very acclaimed author, um, has done a whole bunch of different things. She also wrote a reimagining of Pride and Prejudice, which she mentioned to us in, in the chat. Um, and she's now turned her attention to Interestingly as well, actually, in her short story collection, uh, You Think It, I'll Say It, there is a short story from the perspective of Hillary Clinton. So clearly that, that seed was planted early on. But um, that again, I don't think it ever says her name. So again, it's sort of left a bit more nebulous, whereas this book is not nebulous. Like she has a, a purpose, would you say, with writing it? Um, and that purpose is strongly felt, I think, by the reader the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we will get into that uh, and our kind of takes on the book or reactions, spoiler free, given the fact that it's just come out today, um, to you guys um, after we, you know, broadcast the interview. If we can call ourselves a broadcaster. Um, but yeah, so um, we attempt as always, well, not as always, but we attempted this time to avoid spoilers. But there might be some um, coming through the interview. So if you're really interested in reading the book and then hearing um, Curtis's thoughts, then get the book today in audio and ebook um, and give it a go for yourself. Um, and the book comes out in July, I believe, in uh, hardback. If you really want to wait to get your hands on the beautiful hardback version of the book. And with that said, I believe it's time for us to head off to the interview. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I guess I'll kick off. Um, so I guess the big question really to start with is uh, like what inspired you to write Rodham in, in the first place? You know, uh, an account of Hillary's life that's sort of different than the one she actually lived. Like, what kind of inspired you to write it? So I think it was um, two, two things. And the first is that in early 2016, an editor at Esquire magazine reached out and asked me if I would like to write um, a short story from the perspective of Hillary Clinton as she was accepting the Democratic nomination for president. Um, and I, because, you know, I wrote American Wife, which came out in 2008 and is this fictional retelling of the life of Laura Bush, I had been asked to write um, essays about Hillary just sort of I mean because she had been a former first lady mm. and I had written about a first lady and um and I would decline those invitations because I just felt like uh you know there's been so much written about her and she's been analyzed from every possible angle for almost 30 years and I just don't think that I personally have very much to add to that but when I got this offer to to write this short story, which again, sort of strangely fell in my lap. Mm. I, I, I found it much more tempting to write about Hillary in fiction than in nonfiction. And especially instead of 
sort of looking at her from the outside and thinking, um, you know, what do the American people think of Hillary? It was flipping that and, you know, telling a story from her point of view and thinking, what does Hillary think of the American people? So that was, it was just sort of, you know, not looking at her, but seeing the world through her eyes. And that was very intriguing to me. And then the other thing is that over time, so that that story was published several Mm. months before the 2016 election. And I was among the people who was surprised by the election's outcome. And, you know, as the election got closer, as it passed, I had this realization that school children who were aware of the election and knew who Hillary was, did not necessarily know that Bill Clinton existed, let alone that Hillary had been married to him or was was married to him, yeah. let alone that right. he'd been president, let alone that he'd you know, been sort of controversial or had this baggage attached to him in the public imagination. And I started to think, well, you know, what if adults saw Hillary as separate from Bill the way that children do. And so I think it was the combination of those two sort of ideas or circumstances of like having written fiction from her point of view, which I'm not sure I would have done on my own. And then kind of seeing like getting a glimpse of an alternate universe and wanting to explore it further. Yeah. Yeah. That that's really interesting. And, um, we were going to ask you about American Wife, um, which I read and absolutely loved. Um, it's a fictionalised account of an American first lady who shares many biographical details with Laura Bush, the wife of George W. Um, but in that instance, you changed uh, the name. So Laura Bush in the novel is fictionalised as Alice. In this story, you do choose Hillary's, you choose to use Hillary's real name. Um, so we wondered what the kind of thought process was behind that. Was it because you wanted to kind of plant the reader very firmly in our political reality, but then kind of play with their expectations? What What were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a version of that. So with American Wife, the story or like the kind of plot line or timeline um you know, is certainly fictionalized. Many of the details are changed, like the things that, you know, in real life take place in Texas, um, take place in the state of Wisconsin. And again, you know, like vast amounts of, you know, sort of plot or words or sentences are flat out made up because Mm -hmm. I am a novelist, not a historian. But but the, the timeline matches pretty closely with the kind of historical timeline in terms of like, you know, a George W. Bush-like president is elected when when George W. Bush was and, you know, like 9-11 happens and, you know, this is when the couple got married and this is how they met and all that stuff. And so with Rodham, I knew that I wanted to write an alternate history. And I felt like, okay, if I'm deviating from the historical record it's very clear that this is a novel like everyone knows that Hillary and Bill got married Mm. you know they they didn't fall in love in law school and then break up so once I've made them break up which happens you know spoiler alert but happens (laughs) about about a hundred pages into the book um it's very clear that there's this split from reality and I thought like if let's say I had made the character um you know, her name is like Helen or something instead of Hillary. 
um, she, you know, then I think that a, a reader could could read and think like this reminds me a lot of of Hillary and Bill, and then they could get to that breakup and think like, oh, I guess I guess it wasn't Hillary and Bill, you know, because it's this it's actually about this woman who kind of goes her own way and 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 I just I almost felt like it would be confusing or distracting and actually this is this is not very um sexy or interesting but a huge number of choices that I make are made for the sake of kind of clarity for the reader and just Mm -hmm. trying to make make the reading experience like sort of smooth and you know, like almost like let the reader think about the characters and their actions and think about them like real people and and don't have the the um, like reader thinking about sort of the machinery of the novel. Mm-hmm. And so that was why I made that choice. Yeah. Um, and uh, equally, uh, I mean, the process of researching and writing a book that is fictional, yes, but also kind of grounded in some real elements. I mean, what was that like? Um, it does open with a quote from Hillary's autobiography, what happened, you know, and how close did you have to work with like her source material um, alongside your own kind of fictionalizing of her life? What was that like? Well, I wanted to to open with, with that quote where she says, um, you know, I turned Bill Clinton down the first few times he asked me to marry him, but then I said yes the third time, and I'd do it again. Like I kind of wanted <laughs> to let her have her say mm-hmm. and and sort of acknowledge that you know what I have written is not the real story, and I'm not pretending that it is. It's just it's it's this like you know musing or this sort of speculation on what could have been. But I don't I don't think that she is probably consumed with regret about the choice that she made. Mm. Um, I mean, I did do quite a bit of research. Like I, I, when I was writing American Wife, I read her memoir, Living History. Um, so this is going back to like 2007. And then I read her 2017 memoir, um, What Happened, which is you know largely about the 2016 election. I read Bill wrote, like literally a thousand page memoir and I read the first 240 pages up to when they get married and, and then and then it had served my purpose yeah <laughs> um I read you know a biography of of Hillary um by a journalist Carl Bernstein and then and also a New York Times journalist named Amy Chozik wrote um uh uh an account of kind of, you know, covering her on the campaign trail off and on for 10 years. Mm. Um, so, I mean, and there's there's a bunch of other books, too, in, including several by American senators, female American senators. So I just sort of, you know, like oftentimes one book would lead to another for me. And mm. I would or like I would feel like, well, I know this, but I don't know this. And so I would, I would sort of, or, you know, I'd hear a reference to something. There was also... Um, her campaign created a podcast called With Her, and I didn't listen to it during the campaign season, but I listened to it after the fact. And it was it was very interesting because she speaks in a pretty open, unguarded way that she doesn't always have the opportunity to in interviews because often the interviewer is so sort of challenging or skeptical towards her. Um, so it's just interesting to hear almost in a literal way, how different her voice sounds in that podcast. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, Helena just mentioned about how obviously you, you made that choice to open with that quote from Hillary. You also open with a quote from Lynn Manuel Miranda's Hamilton, um, specifically the lyric, the world has no right to my heart, which is sung in the show by Hamilton's wife, Eliza. Um, and and it's, the context is that she's deciding that she won't reveal publicly the hurt that Hamilton's affair has caused her. The musical is also interested in the idea of who gets to tell whose story. Uh, so we thought that was really interesting that, you know, you picked that line. Um, did watching Hamilton influence or inspire the way you approached this novel? Well, it's funny. Um, I have not seen Hamilton on stage. My, oh, really? Um, I've listened to it many right. times, yeah. but I haven't actually seen it. Um, uh, I mean, I would I would like to. And um, some of my family members, I was actually supposed to at one point and then one of my family members got sick. And so I was, I, I like stayed home. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that I did choose it for all the reasons you're saying, and I found it very poignant. And, and I also think that I have, you know, some sense of irony or maybe, <laughs> maybe those opening quotations are, are me expressing my own ambivalence about you know the next 400 pages to to come and like right. the project that I was embarking on which I think it's healthy for a writer to have some ambivalence about her own work or to kind of be able to see the argument for why she, she shouldn't have, <laughs> have written this book <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's certainly a, it's certainly a project that I think um carries with it lots of ideas and that people are going to take away um I think one big one that I took away from the book is sort of there's a lot of female friendships that we see Hillary in and they tell us lots of kind of different things and a big one is um, obviously her relationship with a woman called Gwen Greenberger um, but they kind of end up breaking apart over this moment in the 1992 Senate election that Hillary decides to run in against a female African-American candidate and her friend Gwen who is herself black disagrees saying that Hillary is essentially taking focus away from a really important cause that is you know having black women in Congress just as much as white women. Um, and I think, why did you kind of want to highlight that relationship between race and gender and how, what the role of race plays for women just as much as gender does in their careers as politicians and public figures? Well, I would say, I guess I'd say two things. One, I think that I'm drawn to fiction because it's very complex and, <clears throat> and it sort of allows me to explore like you know the range of human behavior and the contradictions that are inside so many mm. of us and <clears throat> so it's not I don't I feel like um you know it's I think that I'm generally incapable of of ever saying like the message of one of my books is this or the message of this plot is this so I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's a particular message but I would say that I think there's like a long history of white feminists having blind spots when it comes to race mm. and, you know, not seeing their or our own racism. I mean, I would certainly consider myself a white feminist. Um, and, and so I was interested in exploring that and depicting it and kind of showing how one person's view can can you know be simultaneously sincere and can evolve over time mm -hmm. yeah and I think a, a theme of the book is definitely um 
the idea of championing your ideals over maybe friendships or relationships at times or trying to juggle that potential juxtaposition between the two um Gwen and Hillary do remain quite estranged um but to sort of draw the comparison with Hillary and Bill I feel like the novel kind of suggests that this fictionalized version of Hillary decides not to marry Bill because it requires her to give up on her ideals um and it's sort of almost a moral dilemma um why do you think that your your fictionalized version of Hillary decides not to go down that path well partly I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away, but, but he himself, you know, the, and this actually, Bill supposedly did say this in real life. Like he essentially warned her against marrying him. I don't think real Bill warned her for quite the same reasons that my fictitious Bill, you know, warns my fictitious Hillary. But, um, I don't know. I'm not sure that I think that that it's kind of tension over idealism that that you know prevents my fictional version of her from marrying him i think it might be more sort of personal and Mm -hmm. nitty-gritty than that and just feeling like you know i'm entering a situation that i'm not i'm not sure if i can you know pay the price that Mm -hmm. i'm going to be required to pay Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's an it's an interesting kind of question on marriage, I suppose, there as well, that, you know, a lot of the discussions between Hillary and other women, you know, there are married women, unmarried women, um, and, you know, she kind of thinks quite a lot about the, kind of the role of marriage in her life, and, yeah, absolutely, about how her marriage to Bill might have forced her to change, and obviously there are people in the novel who suggest that she should have, she would have to change too much, and there are people in the novel who also suggest that uh, changing is kind of part of marriage. Um, and I think it seems, you know, was it important to you to be able to portray that sort of multiplicity of experiences that women can have both in marriage and in their kind of attitude towards it? And the same thing about like singledom as well. Yes, I would say that was important to me. I mean, I think I think that sometimes there can be a pretense that, you know, marriage is all one way or, you know, being single is all one way and I think that's really false and that there are all sorts of different dynamics that exist not only in different people's lives but in the same person's life Mm. at different times yeah and one thing that we found quite interesting um in regards to yeah the question of marriage is there's a few moments in the novel when Hillary reflects on how she might have behaved if she had married Bill and she had had to negotiate his political career alongside him. Um, There's this moment where she's watching Bill with his fictitious wife on 60 Minutes um, during the 90s, uh, which, you know, draws a parallel with her own experience, sorry, her own appearance on the show in in our real life. Um, In the novel, Hillary comments, Bill needed an equal who'd act like even if he'd had had affairs, so what? Um, those moments are quite interesting in terms of like Hillary sort of commenting on how she might have behaved had she married Bill but obviously in in our reality that is what happened and so were those moments where she was kind of pontificating were they they based on in your eyes how she did act? I think in that case probably yes I mean I did that that 60 minutes interview is a sort of iconic moment Mm. in American culture and I did I, I think I watched it at the time it aired I was you know, mm. I think I was 16 years old. Um, and I went back and watched it again. Um, yeah, so it does. I mean, I, I think that 
It is really interesting to wonder how different moments might play out differently, you know, for, for famous people, but for any of us, mm -hmm. if, you know, if you had made sort of a, a small or large different decision, would, would everything have been <laughs> different after that? Yeah. Would, would some things have been, I mean, who knows? Yeah. But, and it's, and certainly mm -hmm. I'm not the only novelist to explore this question, but uh, it is kind of irresistible. Yeah, obviously one of the big draws of the book, uh, uh, you know, the big themes about it is indeed that Hillary's life is different because she doesn't marry Bill and not to spoil at all, but, you know, different things do happen than in real life as a consequence of this. Um, and I, I think, you know, as she sort of becomes, has her own political career and, you know, works towards a presidential campaign kind of similar to the one in, she ran in 2016, we still see Hillary face kind of trials that a woman in politics and, you know, a woman in many industries um, would face. Um, and it, they're kind of trials that a woman today would be familiar with. Um, are there any kind of stories or instances of American women in politics which kind of drove your account of what might happen to Hillary had she kind of gone her political career alone? Um, and equally, are there any kind of moments Hillary faced as a Clinton that you wanted to include in her life as, you know, Hillary Rodham? Well, so I think, you know, I mentioned doing research and I, uh, I read... Um, I actually listened to the audio versions of the four memoirs by the four female senators who ran for president in this election cycle. I mean, mm. I, you know, none of them are still in the race, but yeah. in the 2020 election cycle. So Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren um, and Kirsten Gillibrand. And um it was it was very it was interesting actually to think about you know if so again <laughs> spoiler i guess but hillary becomes a senator in in the novel and um it was interesting to think about what her identity would be as a senator if she wasn't attached to bill at all mm. and i think it would be more like those other you know women where there's you know there's there's some admiration of them there's some criticism of them but none of the admiration or the criticism feels quite so like loaded or complicated or personal or mm. familiar you know it's just like like Hillary has been so visible for so long um and again she's been from the moment that Bill entered the presidential race she's been linked so closely to him that that I do I think that it's I mean, that's, that's sort of what my project was, was thinking about, okay, but what if she wasn't? Yeah. Um, but it's, but it's, it is something that, you know, like I spent a few years doing it because I, I think it's so hard to do. Like it's such a, you know, the, the Clintons together are this fundamental unit in, in, you know, American life. Um, so, so there was that, that I, I definitely, you know, considered those books. They were interesting to me and I was using them as research just in, in terms of thinking about like the structure yeah. of their lives, the structure of their days, how do they decide to go into politics? Like, um, and then the other, and, and even like how, how famous are they? How often are they recognized? Like that kind of thing. Cause yeah. it's not, I mean, not, it's not as if everyone even, you know, knows who their own Senator is or would be able to or like if you said to me list the names of all of the female the current female senators 
I don't know. I might leave a few off and I'm, you know, I'm a person who just like wrote a book about, about one. So, um, so, so there's that. Then there's also, I mean, I do think that, that if you are a person who, you know, follows politics closely or, you know, read about the Clintons while they both lived in the white house, there are some sort of nods to various moments where I've sometimes I've kind of like inverted them or, you know, there's, there's like a moment from the campaign trail where she said something about like, you know, I could have stayed home and, um, you know, baked cookies and had tea and whatever. And that, that she got a lot of criticism and pushback Mm -hmm. for that comment. And then, you know, later, like 20 years later, Beyonce, you know, featured it as a sort of, um, feminist rallying cry in a in a concert and um, so you know it's like I kind of have her say a variation of that un- under different circumstances I mean again I, I think that there you know you read a novel to kind of think about human nature um, but you also read it to be entertained yeah. and so it's like I wanted to you know, put things in there that would capture the reader's imagination and and make the reader think. And something, um, I went to graduate school for writing and the director of my program was a writer named Frank Conroy. And he would say that fiction is sort of a conversation between the reader and the writer. And, And I feel like, I think part of what draws me to telling stories about familiar people or even retelling familiar stories, which is what I did, you know, my, my novel eligible is a retelling of pride and prejudice. It's like me saying to the reader, I know you are familiar with this person or with this story. And I know that you are bringing, you know, your expectations to this Mm. and I'm going to fulfill some of your expectations and I'm going to defy some of your expectations. Um, and we're going to have this this little back and forth. And, you know, you might be annoyed. You might be surprised. You might be delighted. But but it does, I think it just makes that conversation more complicated in interesting ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting as well that, um, again, not to spoil anything for, for listeners who won't have read the book yet, but Bill Clinton does play a role in this novel. You know, it's not as though the idea is that she just has a brief relationship with him and then he's you know relegated to the past like he is still there and we see how his career plays out um what influenced your choices when it came to his role in the novel and how you imagined his life and his political career might be like or might have been like without Hillary as his wife well one thing that I I think was always kind of clear to me is that uh you know if 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 I said to somebody, this novel is about if Hillary had not married Bill, um, a person might think, okay, Bill is not in the novel. Or or a person might think, oh, you must hate Bill Clinton. And neither of those things is true. Obviously, as you're saying, you know, Bill, Bill is a presence in in the novel, especially in the beginning, but, you know, basically throughout the novel. And something a sort of realization I had as I was writing is if if it were 1975 um and I was dating Bill Clinton and he wanted to marry me I would marry him and I would move to Arkansas (laughs) to to you know live with him and build a life together like it's not it it does not um seem 
you know, idiotic to me that Hillary did that. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem hard to understand. Like I, I, and I, I felt like it was my job, not only to kind of understand what might've drawn them to each other, but to, to try to fictionally capture that and, and show, you know, that it's this physical attraction, it's an intellectual attraction um, and, and that those both reinforce each other. And so, so I, I did, um, I wanted him to be complex because I think, I think in real life, I think he has some special qualities and some terrible qualities. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted his fictional counterpart to have those too. Yeah. Um, and uh, equally, you know, to sort of <laughs> mention him, uh, Donald Trump also does appear um, in the novel um, and he kind of appears in a, interesting way in that perhaps Bill is made more of like the kind of populist businessman character and then Donald is slightly more on the sidelines but kind of what inspired you to sort of include him at all and to put him in the situation that he ends up being in um, between Hillary and Bill? Well I do think that you know I, I think the novel is about a few different things or has a few different themes and one of the things that it tries to examine is like ideas about fate versus free will mm -hmm. and you know how much how much do we individually determine the course of our lives like are there people that we're sort of meant to cross paths with or is that a totally fanciful ridiculous idea yeah. um and so so again, and, and then, you know, almost like the, the butterfly effect idea, like if something had just been, if there had been some tiny, you know, change or shift in some interaction or some moment, uh, you know, would that have greatly affected large events in some way? One, one tidbit that I came across in my reading um, is that, you know, there's, it's, it's been, uh, I think you could say widely reported that Bill Clinton encouraged Donald Trump to enter the 2016 presidential race as mm -hmm. a Republican. And, and I think Bill has denied it. Um, but again, it's been reported, I would say, credibly mm -hmm. by, by multiple journalists. It's interesting, obviously, that the book's being released this year, which is also an election year, 2020. Um, was that just, did that just happen to come about that way? Or was that a sort of deliberate choice by you? Um, yeah, what would you say is the significance of that? <laughs> so um, the short answer is, well, is that yes, it's it's basically coincidental. I mean, I think I think that my publisher would have, preferred for me to turn this book in um you know to finish it like i i started writing it in march 2017 they did say to me could you finish it by september or by december 2017 and i, I and i i think that I, like a few times i said like no but maybe by early 2018 and then as early 2018 approached, I'd say, no, I think it's, it's not going to be quite ready by early 2000, you know, maybe, maybe mid 2018. And it just, it took me, you know, a while to write it. And so mm -hmm. it, it couldn't have been published any sooner because, because it didn't exist. Yeah. I, I would say that my publisher and I were in agreement that if it had come out 
six months after the election, it might have felt a little stale. Like, I think we both felt like the time to publish it is before the 2020 election. Although that said, um, you know, American Wife, I, I, it was a book I wanted to write and I felt sort of obsessed with the topics in it. But I did think to myself, you know, the Bushes are Republicans. I'm a Democrat. I don't hide the fact that I'm a Democrat. So it's possible that no Republican will want to read it because it's by a Democrat and no Democrat will want to read it because it's about Republicans. Mm. And like <laughs> the audience for this book will be zero and oh, well. And then I certainly wouldn't have thought that the book would have you know, much appeal or traction in the UK. And I was wrong about all of that stuff. Like that that book, I think it sold by far the most of all my books in the UK. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it continued, it came out during the Bush's last few months in the White House. It, it's continued to, you know, sort of attract readers well beyond the Bush's, you know, or, yeah. or George W. Bush's presidency. So, so sometimes it's hard to know you know, the, the publishing a book and marketing a book is a different animal from writing a book. And, mm. and I have much less expertise in, in the latter or in the publishing. Mm. I have to... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and equally, it, it's very true that um, I think there's been a lot of work done about you know, books, American politics, nonfiction and fiction. What do, they, what do you think are the challenges in kind of writing a novel that rewrites political history that for some is very important, but it, for some it can be quite incendiary, I suppose? Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I feel like I might be contradicting myself because I'm saying, like, my main goal is to, you know, write kind of like, you know, make it very clear and clean on the page. And it's very important not to confuse the reader. And then the answer I'm tempted to give now is like, well, that's the reader's problem. Not yeah. mine. You know, who cares about the reader? Like, so, so, which is not, I don't, I don't not care about the reader. I do care about the reader, but, but I, I think that as a writer, I mean, like this is, this is a luxury, but mm. it also feels kind of like my responsibility to like, write the book that I'm deeply interested in writing. And, you know, I don't know, there's only so much worry I can give to people's reactions, because it, they're hard to anticipate. Yeah. And there's so many factors like, you know, this is my seventh book. So I've, it's my sixth novel, and then I had a story collection. And every book has felt different in terms of you know, the world is different. And obviously right now it's like there's a global pandemic. That's that's very different than mm. normal circumstances. Um, but, you know, the world is always different. Like media is always different. Technology is always different. Um, the sort of season, you know, in terms of like what's, what's happening in the public culture, the public conversation. The circumstances of my life are different. You know, like I... I was 29 when my first book came out. I'm 44 now. Um, so the subject of the book is different. So it's really hard to kind of untangle all those factors. And I, I don't think that a writer can really like game the system or, or say like, I will do this and then this is how the public will react. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, so it's just, I, I think that again, I just have to focus on what I can control, which really comes down to like the paragraphs and, mm. you know, like the yeah. plot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting. You say that because one thing I did, I couldn't help but think whilst reading is that, um, 
have you had any thoughts about whether Hillary might read the novel? Um, and is that something that you tried to just kind of put aside while you while you were putting it all together? Um, and if she were to read it, um, how would you hope she might react? Like, is that something you thought about at all? Well, it is a frequent question. So, <laughs> so other people think about it on my behalf. So this is right. what I would say is, um, and people ask me that about American Wife, like they say, you know, has Laura Bush read it? And and I, um, I don't think that she has. Mm. Um, and in both cases, you know, Laura Bush obviously was a librarian. She's a big reader. Hillary is also a big reader. I think she she likes mysteries, um, but she, but I, she has, likes you know all, all kinds of books. Obviously, um, I don't think that Hillary will read it because you know Hillary's one of the most famous women in the world. She's used to being the subject of very intense scrutiny, mm. and I don't. I think that she probably has developed methods for for sort of tuning things out or just just knowing like yeah it's probably, it probably won't you know make my mood better or my life better to read that particular thing mm. um and it's like you know maybe I, I think that probably at least one person who's close to her probably would read it and describe it to her I think it's not impossible that she would read it I don't think like I think that the, I could have written a book where my overriding goal was to like endear myself to Hillary Clinton and maybe <laughs> maybe get to meet her someday and which I never have and I that's not the book I wrote like I it, you know it's I wanted to make her fictional character complicated like not not saintly I mean I do I admire real Hillary I admire fictional Hillary but I think she does make you know, sort of unwise choices at times, or mm. she's she's not perfect, and you know, nor is anyone I know in real life. Um, so, I don't. I mean, I think I, I made decisions that I thought served the book, not um, decisions that I I thought would like make Hillary Clinton like me. Yeah. And and then so then I think my responsibility is to sort of live with those decisions. So it's like mm. you know, if I heard she read it. I would think if she did, she would, you know, like some parts and not like some parts or, you know, probably find some parts completely laughably ridiculous in how much they didn't capture real life. And then yeah. some parts and there's also, by the way, do you know, there's this documentary about her, which does match up a lot with the book. But it came out in early March. But of course, in fairness, <laughs> her life is the basis of the documentary and her life is the basis of the book. So it's like, of, of course, they sort of match up. Yeah. But I would if she if she said I read the book, you know, like if I got word, she she read it, she likes it, you know, she wants to express that. I would think great if it was like she read it, she doesn't like it, she wants to express that. Like I, I think I would think oh she's more than entitled. Like I yeah. I wrote the book I wanted mm -hmm. to write. She can ignore it. She can have the reaction she wants to. I mean you know she's yeah. she's her own woman. <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, it is really interesting. Maybe we'll never know. Um, and just to finish off, I suppose, um, if you can talk about it, obviously, if you can't, no worries. But uh, do you have any plans in the works to rewrite any histories of anyone else in the American political world? <laughs> um, well, it's funny because in the course of doing research, there were a few sort of stories that popped onto my radar where I would think, ooh, like that could be kind of interesting. So 
I mean, I don't at this point, who knows, like, I feel almost like I would like to write kind of like a light, fizzy novel that, you know, that's like 200 pages and doesn't require any research. Mm. <laughs> and so, so like, I feel like that's, that's what I want to do now. I mean, I, I always have tons of ideas. Like for me, it's not a, a like, like the execution is more challenging than the kind of brainstorming, but I think in the fullness of time, I probably will write another political novel, but I don't think it will happen immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I actually just wanted to ask one final question. Just um, the I feel like the cover is really striking with the the photo of Hillary when when she was young, and I wondered, um, did you have any difficulty in kind of getting permission to use that photo? And also, even did you have to get permission to use the the real names in the book, or is that something that you were just able to do? So <clears throat> it's actually like a, you know, graphic designer in the UK who came up with that cover. Oh. And, mm. and I loved it so much that I then asked my American publisher to use it too. Um, so it's, it was okay. one of those covers where I saw it. Sometimes I've struggled. Like I, you know, I might not love the cover. Or there's like back and forth and a few iterations. And this one, I saw it and I thought, oh my God, like that's so striking and clever. Um, mm. I, so, okay, so, so the novel was subject to legal review. I actually am not sure. I don't know how to answer the question about imagery, but given, given that that is the final image, I mean, it's, <laughs> it seems that, that it yeah. passed the legal review. Mm-hmm. I think, I guess that's how I would try to respond to that. Yeah. yeah. But I do, okay. I think she looks so you know, young and smart and full of promise. And that's why I love that cover. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, talking to us. It's been so insightful um, and interesting to hear your takes on where Rodham came from uh, and uh, why it is what it is. So yeah, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you both so much for the questions. All right, take care. Yeah, you too. for speaking to us um, I always find it as I always say so insightful to get an author's take on why they did something especially a project like this I think Rodham is an interesting book that it's kind of interesting and unique and I think it generates lots of questions which Curtis answered really nicely and well for us so thank you totally yeah yeah absolutely yeah I mean you know it is as you say such an intriguing premise for a novel um, and one that I think anyone who reads the book will have lots of questions about um what the impetus was um and what some of like Curtis's thoughts were when she was putting it together so to be able to kind of hear all of that was really fascinating um and I think really helped us come to grips with and think about the novel and um, and what we thought about it so with that in mind Helena what I'm going to ask you what were your expectations going into this book because I think Obviously, as we said to Curtis and as we talked about, the book cover, the title, everything about it is quite, um, it, it's quite, it's, what's the word? Like, I suppose it's quite provocative in a way. Um, and, and, it's, and it's kind of presenting this idea to you very much like this is the premise of the book. 
take it or leave it what do you think so what were your thoughts what were your expectations of it well the first thing I have to say is I I love the cover I think it is so interesting and yeah yeah, provocative um and really just stylish to be honest with you like it looks like a stylish book like a Vogue editor would have on their table and I I really quite applaud the choice to call it Rodham just because it's simple easy and effective um, just because I think mm. everyone knows Hillary's name is Hillary Rodham Clinton um, for whatever reason I'm assuming it must be something to do with um, maybe perhaps it's her choice I don't know perhaps it's something that they did after she became her own political force I don't know it's not the point but I think it's it's clever because it tells you exactly what the book is about Hillary's life as Hillary Rodham not Hillary Clinton um, so yeah that's one thing I've got to say I really enjoyed and it really made me want to read the book a bit more I love a good book which looks stylish because it makes me think that the insides are going to be as stylish as the outsides yeah I see that um, anyway um, I kind of I wasn't surprised in any way by the book uh, I, I kind of expected it to I, I kind of knew we all know from the get-go what's going to happen that 100 or so pages in Hillary will be asked for the third time just like she was in real life by Bill Clinton will you marry me and she will say no. I mean, actually, that's not actually what happens in the book. Um, and I'll leave the people to read and find out. But um, I actually didn't expect the beginning to be to get so deep into like Hillary's experiences as a young woman and her romance with Bill. Like, it gets down into into everything. Like it oh, really yeah. beca- it is kind of like a romance drama about how her relationship with Bill begins. It's actually much less political in the beginning, which I actually ended up really liking. I found it really compelling. Um, and equally, I kind of I think funnily enough, I kind of expected um, either there to be a massive change right like Hillary Clinton not marrying Bill Clinton would like change the course of history in some crazy way or I thought it would change nothing and what actually happens is a much more kind of carefully managed sort of like intermingling of like real events and fake events that I think works quite well for some reason I kind of thought that if Hillary hadn't married Bill then like Bill would like end up dead or something. I don't know. So um, it was actually a lot more nuanced and kind of well handled in terms of the actual like events of Hillary's life that um, than I thought. Um, but yeah, what also struck me about the book actually is something that makes me a bit uncomfortable. I think it's just like I was kind of imagining how I would feel if somebody had rewritten my life, and it does feel yeah. it does perhaps give you an insight in, also into the power of an author to sort of change history because I'm not saying she never says this is accurate she never says that her reading of it is a one that is drawn from any truth about Hillary's early life or b one that has any real basis but like it kind of freaked me out a tiny bit to think of how like how like easy it is to rewrite history um and to make a big change um even with the the even with one marriage you know what I mean so you know yeah, what I mean? So, yeah, that's um, kind of that's kind of the key things that I thought about it. Yeah. And I think um, the fact that obviously in the novel, Curtis embodies the character, the real life character person of Hillary Clinton. And she embodies her voice um, and thinks about how she would act in different situations, because, um, as you say, a lot of the first part of the novel is based in reality and is factual. Um, but then later on, it becomes counterfactual essentially but it's still based in how Curtis Sittenfeld understands Hillary Clinton to behave um and so yeah it does raise that interesting question of like 
you know, somebody could, if you were well known enough, um, write a book about you and knowing a lot about you, judge how they think you might behave and there's different scenarios. Um, obviously, Curtis writes with a lot of respect for Hillary and clearly admires her and um, and that shines through. Um, but she does also uh, present her as, I would say, a character in the same way as probably any of her other characters in the she's not always she doesn't always behave in like a, the perfect way or anything like that by any means um so yeah and actually there's an interesting bit later in the book where um i don't think it's a spoiler to say that hillary does become a political figure and does become a, a well-known figure in the fictional book um and there's a bit where she's watching tv and a news anchor asks a rhetorical question with her name and it's like what do you think Hillary but obviously is doing it for you know a verbal flair uh, but for Hillary Clinton herself is sitting watching it at home and listening to it and she comments on how strange that is and it did strike me that that is something that of you don't usually think of uh, famous people reading stories or watching things about themselves and having themselves be directly addressed and being like I could actually just answer that right now you know yeah, and equally, to ask you a question, perhaps it's sort of like a, re a reverse question. Um, what do you think is kind of the key takeaways someone can make from reading this book? Like, what, uh, what are they going to gain? But like, what are the kind of the, the things that it, that it does or that it asks of someone that they might want to think about later? Well, I think what attracts me to Kirsha Sittenfeld's writing is definitely her writing style and her kind of very acute understanding of human behavior and that is something that shines through in this book too um so i think if you did like her short stories which were very popular um i mentioned them earlier you think it i'll say it um i think if you liked that then you'll you'll be able to get elements of that in this book too but ultimately i think probably it's most interesting when it's examining how politics and society works today um, in 2020, although I guess it never actually gets to 2020, it's more like 2016 kind of era, but obviously it's very similar to today. Um, and also how that's changed and progressed over the last 30 or so years. In some ways it's progressed, in some ways it obviously hasn't. Um, and whilst this book diverges from our lived reality, there are moments in terms of how social media um, intersects with politics and intersects with public life, how um, you know, going on talk shows, how you're perceived by people, how that plays a part. And I think that is investigated in a very interesting way in this book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. There's um, a certain amount to be said, I think, definitely, for the fact that this is in itself, in itself wish fulfillment. Um, and that is one of the kind of weak points of the book that obviously you, you can never escape as a writer, that you're writing about something which has never happened and will never happen. And in the end, you're doing it because you don't like what has happened now, really. Yeah. And, I, and again, American politics is a very fraught time right now, so I completely understand that. But um, it is still an exercise in wish fulfillment. So there are some parts of it, I think, where it does feel a bit obviously kind of waving the flag for certain ideas or for certain kind of opinions that um, I wish it wasn't so obvious, but equally it is a book from a certain perspective, um, asking with, dealing with a certain idea um, that has taken the idea that Hillary Clinton 
may have been a different person or had a different impact had she not married Bill. Um, you know, there's a reason that we want to answer these questions. And there's a reason that people are interested in a book like this. And certainly, I think people are. Like, it's been making a splash as far as I've seen. I think it's been included on The Guardian's best books of 2020 thus far. And it's come out, like, today. You're not even in proper hardback or paperback, I'm imagining, given because of the um, coronavirus and the changing in publishing schedules. So it definitely is a book for our time. And I think that there's a reason it exists and there's a reason that people want to hear the things that Curtis, Curtis Settenfield has to say about Hillary's life. Hillary is, I wonder if she's ever realised what a seminal character she's turned out to be, you know what I mean? Like that moment yeah. of marrying Bill, that 60 Minutes interview, which um, I went, you know, it featured in the book and I went back and researched it and was like, oh my God, imagine watching that interview on the television. Like, that's crazy. I'm living through that. Yeah. I think um, actually that's so true that one thing this book will definitely have you doing is researching and reading more about the real life events that inspired it. Uh, I think you can't possibly read it without suddenly being like, wait, you know, did this really happen? And there are moments too where real life speeches that Hillary Clinton made or in one case Donald Trump made um, and in other cases other um, things that people said in, in our real reality are interspersed and used out of context in the book. Um, which is really interesting because I guess it kind of it presents this idea of like um, are things predetermined um, and uh, you know obviously it doesn't get too much into that um, but it is still there under the surface um, that sort of question so yeah I think um, as you say uh, that I did have a bit of an issue at first with just like trying to get my head around the fact that I was reading a book about Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and like she describes like Bill and you're like that's Bill Clinton so it maybe takes you a minute to kind of get into that um whereas American Wife which I mentioned earlier which has some similarities by making it very firmly grounded in fiction I think you're able to kind of separate it from the the real life figures who inspired the story whereas here you're never able to make that separation and as Curtis said in our interview that clearly was very deliberate and you know, it is also seen in the title and in the um, cover. But for some people, perhaps that will be a turn off. Um, but there's, yeah, I think it, there's a lot to be enjoyed in this book and a lot to be explored. And I think it's going to make a definitely going to make a splash uh, for sure. I mean, as you say, it's already been heralded. But I also think it's just going to it's going to offend people on both sides of the political spectrum. Like there's going to be some people who absolutely love Hillary Clinton who see this as like completely yeah um, and then there's obviously going to be lots of people who don't enjoy her and are not going to want to read a book about her irregardless of what the topic of the book is um so yeah that is it's interesting from that perspective too i mean i think it's it's a thought-provoking and provocative book for sure mm -hmm. so um get out there and read it that's our take and also, if you want to get in touch with us uh, about this book or anything else, really, we are on Twitter and Instagram most of the time. So we're Twitter at Real LLW. We are Instagram loves labors watch. Um, but yeah, with that said, um, yeah, thank you again to Curtis. And I think we're now going to move on. Well, welcome to a new segment that we're trialing on the podcast. Um, you know, we're always going to be trying new things. Um, so essentially, um, we have been loving lots of books recently and generally love books a lot. So from now on, we're going to try and feature 
um, our, not books of the week, books of the, the bi-month, the fortnight, books of the fortnight. That's what it's called. Books since bi-month. Books of the bi-month. <laughs> books of the fortnight. Um, because obviously we release episodes um, bi-monthly, fortnightly. Um, so yeah, um, we're, um, we're happy to sort of be recommending books to you guys and telling you guys what we're reading. So um, on that note, um, Francesca, what is the book you want to highlight this fortnight on Books of the Fortnight? <laughs> well, um, so actually I do have two, which I know is sort of cheating, but one of them I'm going to talk about really briefly and the other one I will talk about in more depth. So briefly, I just wanted to say that I read Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, which I know I shouted out a few podcasts ago as being part of a big book order I had done. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I think it would be interesting to speak to you about it, Helena, when you've read it, because it obviously is a sort of riff on the Shakespeare myth. Um, it's also about uh, the plague. So it's sort of weirdly topical now in a, an unfortunate way. Um, but I think most interestingly, it's it's very lyrical. It's got a, a sort of magical realism feel in parts. Um, and I just thought it was a really interesting take on Shakespeare, who's never actually mentioned by name. Um, also, incidentally, the book is on the Women's Prize shortlist um, for this year. So um, if you're like us and always like keen to sort of keep on top of what's been nominated, it's interesting to read it. Um, and it was also featured on the uh, Best Books Guardian list that Helena mentioned earlier. So that's kind of cool. Um, that's out now and is, you know, available to buy. Um, but then the other book that I wanted to shout out um, is going to be published in a couple months. Um, and is the novel Olive by Emma Gannon, who is a podcaster, author of a couple books about um, business and kind of being a successful business person in this day and age and being, as she calls it, a multi-hyphener, which I think clearly Helena and I can relate to, given that this is one of many things that we both do for work. So um, she's a really fascinating and interesting um, content creator. And this is her first novel. So I was really keen to read this um, and to get a sense of what her fiction would be like given I was a fan of her non-fiction. And uh, immediately I was really struck by it. It's written in this very like chatty, familial style, uh, akin in a way to um, Beth O'Leary's writing style, you know, where it's like immediately kind of like enveloping you in this warm, like comforting kind of world and um, worldview. But also it is delving into a topic which isn't often talked about in contemporary women's fiction, which is the question of whether or not a woman wants a child and also the question of what it means to be a mother in the 21st century and making that choice. Um, and it sort of focuses on a group of like four friends, um, including the eponymous titular Olive, um, who is... Uh, nice, well uh, used. Thanks, thanks. Uh, she's quite unsure what she wants out of life uh, really and also particularly what she wants in terms of does she want to become a mother and that's become a, a very like prescient question in her life um, and it's also a way in which her life is different from her uh, friends who have all become mothers or are very keen to become mothers so it's quite interesting from you know people in their early 30s or, or at any point in their life potentially who might be considering this very large question and I think it's really great that Emma Gannon chose to highlight this in what is quite a frothy light-hearted and fun novel but it does still you know it goes into like questions of IVF um, and fertility problems and uh, there's a character who has endometriosis so it's, it's really interesting in that sense um, and 
I also found that I really enjoyed like the uh, portrayal of the the friends because often I feel like friendships in in literature are just like not very well portrayed because basically you either have to have a lot of conflict in the friendship because that drives the plot or I don't know or you like it's just kind of very romanticized and it's like oh this friend is great they're always there for me you know and it's not really delved into whereas like the friendships in this book I just found like very relatable because like there's these you know four friends from university who are very close but all like very different you know it's like you and I and and our close friends from uni um and your lives might have diverged but you always come back together and you're always there for one another and I think that is really sweet and strong in this book um I feel like I would definitely recommend it there were some moments that for me like where it's less well um I felt like the ending happened quite suddenly there was a romance that blossomed almost like quote-unquote off screen and I was a bit like where did this come from um so but overall it was fun and it was really interesting and it's definitely a book that I can imagine being very popular this summer and that people like passing it from friend to friend you know um and for a debut novel as well it was great um so yeah it like for me it wasn't like the best thing I've read ever or anything but it was a, a fun and uh interesting and thoughtful book for sure absolutely cool and so, Helena, what's what's your book of the week? Book of the bi-week, sorry. Fortnite. The Fortnite. Oh, God. <laughs> we're still... Yeah, we're we're going to make this more smooth. It's a worry. work in progress. Um, yeah, so um, I have been chucking my way through a book about women in um, women who are part of the East India Company's um, machinations. And I think I've mentioned this before. So, um, yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm chucking through it. It's not as good as the five by a long shot. There's lots of difficulties I'm noticing, but still going to keep reading it. But actually, um, so we've recently become, you know, delved into the world of NetGalley in terms of um, book blogging, book reviewing. um, And there are some books I'm actually really interested to read and then hopefully to highlight if I like them or don't like them um, that are kind of upcoming, I would say. Um, Well, one of them is upcoming, one of them is out. So the first one I'm really interested in getting to grips with is um, Sarina, which is a book that has come out recently. It came out um, literally like last week. It's called uh, Tsarina. It's by Ellen Alpston. And basically, as you can guess, it's about a Tsarina. And I think it kind of blends the things I love about historical fiction. So Borgia-style drama. If anybody's watched the show The Borgias, it's with Holiday Granger in it. It is amazing. Um, With sort of like Russian history. So two things that I love. Basically, it's a Tsarina the wife of Tsar Peter I, who is very famous for having basically like what's unified Russia into the Russia it is today. Um, and then also kind of not modernized, but begun the sort of like industrialization, modernization process um, in Russia to make it again, the powerful country that we know today. I mean, one of the big things he did was standardizing um, the Cyrillic language. So making the Cyrillic alphabet standardized. And again, he started borrowing words from English and French and Latin to make the language more easy for people to speak. So anyway, he's a big revolutionary um, czar, very powerful. There's a big statue of him in the river in St. Petersburg, I'm pretty sure. St. Petersburg is named after him. Anyway, so it's about his wife, the Tsarina. Her name is Marta. I actually will say I've never heard of this woman before. And basically the idea is like, you know, she basically, you know, she's a kind of a, a, what is it? She's like a peasant woman and she kind of goes from rags to riches by kind of marrying Tsar Peter I. And then she kind of goes through his sort of like, political journey with him and it's sort of like 
you know, who will she become? And I've just remembered she becomes Catherine the First of Russia. So there you go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's okay. basically about the young life of Catherine of Catherine of Russia. Here is me excitedly talking about a book that I haven't got the chance to read yet. So it's, it's definitely going to be an exciting one. And I'm really excited to see kind of what happens and how this book that's basically kind of following the kind of like trajectory of popular books right now to talk about women, historical fiction, romance, blah, blah, blah. I'm really excited to see what happens there. Um, and also... I'm getting into A Room Made of Leaves by Kate Grenville, which is being published in August. Kate Grenville is the author of The Secret River, I believe, yeah, River. which is basically, again, she's very interested in sort of like the Australian experience, the Aboriginal experience in Australia and discussing kind of like the problems inherent there. So A Room Made of Leaves is on a similar trajectory. It's kind of about this young woman who um, marries a soldier and then basically she finds out he's not who she expected she expected him to be and they then he tells her they're going to move to new south wales so he basically he kind of she ends up going with him but as his wife she has no choice she gets pregnant she makes a life in um new south wales australia basically with him it's about her experiences there and how her life kind of turns out basically mm. so um these are two books about women written by women that I'm really interested to kind of get into. They're both historicals, so they really pique my interest. Um, but yeah, so I'm really pleased to have access to those. And um, hopefully I'll be able to talk about them on another Books of the Fortnight, which is going to be an amazing segment that's going to live on and strong and forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those two books, um, you can get Sarina right now, actually, if you're interested. Um, a Room Made of Leaves is coming out in August. So if you're interested in getting that, you can pre-order it on Amazon or Waterstones or your local bookshop if you like. And yeah, that's it's me like, done. It's interesting, Zarina, which, yeah, I don't know anything about until you talked about it, but it, in a way, there is like potentially a comparison to be made there with Rodham. Um, it, you know, it's interesting that kind of premise of somebody's, and the same actually with um, the other book you described by Kate Grenville. It sounds like they're both novels about people making choices where they get married and how that impacts on their life. And I think. Actually, it's something we didn't really touch upon in our Rodham discussion, but it is really interesting how um, often for women, particularly, I mean, it's still relevant now, but even more so in the past, you know, the choice of getting married to someone and entwining your life with them in what is still very much a patriarchal society can have a very long-lasting impact on your life and your career. And, and obviously, it's totally different in Tsarist Russia versus 20th century America, but I just think it is, it's quite interesting sometimes when you read those books that are set in different periods, but there are some like sort of slight overlapping themes there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, look out for those books coming out. Um, we are... Um, going to be reading i'm going to be reading them for just going to be reading more so we'll have some more things to talk about um and equally um as ever we have some bonus patreon content coming your way this week so um essentially um if you didn't already know we had the absolute honor of being able to talk to lenny abrahamson who is the uh, director of six episodes so half of normal people the new bbc3 series which basically has overtaken the world everyone's talking about it if you're interested um our patreon is now host to a wonderful discussion of normal people between 
me, Francesca, and some of our lovely book club friends. So basically, we all got together on Zoom and just had it, had it out about normal people. Um, to have really, we're kind of really getting into sort of like the how the adaptation really serves as a book adaptation and sort of what are the difficulties or what are the strengths and also like who are Connell and Marianne to us. So I feel like it's a really great deep dive. Um, but that's accessible on our Patreon for all patrons of ours. You can become a patron really easily. It's a fiver a month for access to all of our bonus content. We have some other stuff up there as well, um, which is going to be accessible to you. And if you want to be a £10 a month patron, there are even more benefits. Um, you can. We're going to start bringing in some kind of Q&As, recommendations from patrons, all those kinds of things. So um, as always, I'll always say the show will remain free, uh, accessible on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all those other things. But the Patreon is really for us to try and grow our business, grow the show and to just keep on interacting with you guys as well. So if you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron and accessing that bonus content, it's really easy. Just go to www.patreon.com slash loveslabourswatched for the instructions sign up find us there we've got a cool welcome message and um it just helps support the show so yeah fun um as i believe that's it from us uh, it's been yeah, a yeah might have been a bit of a long one but you know it's all good please do get in touch with your thoughts about Rodham. like we're so keen to hear what everyone thinks about it um and any of the other books that we've mentioned in this podcast we'd love to hear your perspective on also please do listen to our extra normal people bonus content if you're anything like us and you are searching out every piece of normal people content that there is to find and there is a lot of it and i have read all of it just so you know yeah i'm loving Absolutely. it so with that we will see you next time on books of the fortnight <laughs> <laughs> the new podcast name it's, it's, not, it's not it's not it's not we're not we're not doing that much but about that uh, but until then bye, bye. bye.